Good morning, everyone. Welcome to March the 2nd, 2011, 11 o'clock for the purposes of the recording. How many of you spent some time with Scratch, more time than you thought? Did anybody spend more time than they thought they might? We had a few people who spent hours and hours, which you don't have to do. But um, hopefully you enjoyed learning some things, and today we're going to continue to learn about Scratch after our introduction and our Pecha Kucha presentations. So... If you have not already, please click the 11 o'clock link um, on our schedule uh, for week eight so that you can check in for today. For the video, I'm going to show you just about, it's less than two minutes long, a video that I learned about this week because of a Twitter post from this blog called Brain Pickings. And there's a new book that's been written and published by Douglas Thomas and John Seeley Brown called A New Culture of Learning. And there's a couple videos on this post which I linked on our website, too. Um, we're going to see the first one that Douglas Thomas does. The longer one by John Seeley Brown is uh, about 10 minutes, and one of the things he talks about is tinkering as a mode of knowledge. And they're both talking about how important it is to help students create with media and to move from just becoming consumers of content to producers, creators. There's another level of thinking that comes in when we create a story in scratch rather than just write it or just listen to it or uh, simply read it. So let's take a listen to what Douglas had to say. Right now, I'm looking at the ways in which um, kids deploy learn from video games. And my most recent project is going to be dealing um, with uh, rereading a Mary Shelley song, Frankenstein, called Modern Comedia. What we see is really important about digital learning. It's that it seems to be an area where we really grab the imagination of kids. Digital learning represents a new kind of learning, which means that children are both critical consumers and producers of new information. Particularly fascinating example of learning stuck in a mode where we're using old systems of understanding learning to try to understand these new forms. And part of the disjunct means that we're missing some really important uh, and valuable data and valuable theories, in fact, about the way in which this sort of thing works. So I think part of what this initiative should be about is really pushing forward that agenda to figure out how it is um, the kids are learning in terms of digital media as well as what they're learning. So how many of you have created a video from a cell phone at this point? Has anybody done a, a cell phone video? Has anybody edited that video before you published it? I see a couple nods, but most not. Today's app share is a little program called Splice, and it is free for an iPhone, iPod Touch, but um, there is a $2 version. The, the free version has ads, and the ones that I saw were for Guinness beer. So you might want to think about paying that $2 if you're going to use it with kids to take the ads off, but the function is the same. <clears throat> I've used three different programs so far on my iPhone to actually edit a video. Um, after spring break, we're going to borrow a set of flip video cameras and use them in class, and we're going to do a, like a sort of a scavenger hunt activity. We're going to brainstorm some interview questions, and you're going to be with a partner or maybe two people, and you're going to go out and interview people, and we're going to come back and post those and share those videos. That's going to be non-edited video. We're just going to record it, you know, get permission. We're doing an interview. Can we, you know, put you on YouTube? Can we make you famous? No, we're not going to make people famous probably. But um, 
you know, we're going to get permission and all that, and we're going to we're going to publish unedited video. We can certainly do a better job with videos when we edit them. However, it can take quite a bit of time to transfer a video to your computer and open it up in the program, and you know, it just takes longer to do. So. I've used the iMovie program for iPhone, which is a $5 app that Apple makes. There's one called Real Director that it works on older phones, too. It's $2, and then I used this one, Splice, um, this last week. So one of the things that's nice about Splice is, you know, you can put in titles. You can come in and cut scenes. You can um, trim things. You can uh, delete stuff. And then you can even speed things up. So I'm just going to play the beginning of a little web show that my daughters did. Um, they're going to teach with me uh, this week in Kansas. We drive up today to, to Kansas to uh, give a keynote at their state educational technology conference. And they have had this web show. Rachel teaches a little bit about how to draw a stink bug, but she took five minutes to do it. So that was a long time. So this program let us double the video speed, so it cut the time in half. And then she recorded her voice later as, a, as an audio post-production recording. Uh, someone I know in Florida, Lee Colbert, who's a teacher there, had asked, isn't that a little bit like painting on a grain of rice? You know, because you're putting your finger down this little screen. And it is. It's a little bit challenging. But um, the ability to create an edited video and then publish it from your mobile phone right to the web is, is pretty amazing. Now, I did actually transfer this to the computer and publish it because this records in 720p, which is high definition. This is like the only high def camera I've ever owned, which is kind of amazing. And so it was 600 megabytes, and there's transfer limits, and so it was easier to, to move it to the uh, computer. But it put this nice little flower border on it, and it has a little um, starting introduction, and we'll, we'll play just about um, two or three minutes of this. Thank you. 
She's seven. Okay. Now I'm here drawing a Okay. So I'm not going to subject you to the whole thing, uh, but let's have a couple observations or thoughts about this. Um, first off, what are the fears that we have about putting media online with ourselves or kids? What's, what's a fear we have? Yeah, well, our, our, we're good. our kids are going to get kidnapped and murdered, right? Immediately. If they're on the web, they're going to get murdered. Um, the, there are predators and, and bad people. Um, that, I shouldn't say that. There are people who make bad choices and who choose to do bad things, right? How many of you know someone who's actually been stalked in real life? Anybody know somebody who has? Okay. Was it technology that caused that? No, but they might have used technology in some cases to um, do harmful things to somebody. When I was a fourth grade teacher, we had a student who had a, a, a restraining order against the parent, and we absolutely could not publish anything about that child online or share. It was a secret where they lived, and it was a really big deal not to reveal information about them. So anytime we publish information and publish a photograph and publish video for students, we certainly are getting that child's permission and the parent's permission to do that. However, we need to become a little more balanced in our views about media and publishing and um, the positives that can come from this. Um, I actually just, what, uh, is it Jimmy Kimmel, who's the late night host? Does anybody watch him? Did anybody see the video of uh, Justin Bieber, the, th the three-year-old that cried over him? And is that, uh, that video has over 25 million views, and it's kind of an Oprah thing because they brought Justin Bieber together with her. I mean, how did Justin Bieber get discovered? Through YouTube, right? I mean, how did Grace and Chance get discovered? Through YouTube. Um, and it's not that everybody's going to be a rock star and everyone's going to be famous. Um, you know, it doesn't really matter how many people see this video. The fact that they are practicing their communication skills and they're explaining things and they're developing confidence, there's lots of positives that come from this. So anyway, I just wanted to do that as an app share for you. By the way, there's that little... It sounds like a chipmunk in the background. We didn't mute the audio fully of this track <clears throat> that has the, the video the, uh, with the video. You know, so we learned some stuff, but we tinkered with it. We played with it and we learned. And there's a lot of positive things that can happen when we uh, create with media, when we share, and when we, we publish. And the stakes of doing something in a program like Scratch, like we're um, talking about now, is you know even lower than doing something like this where we have video of uh, people and and you know kids and we can see them and stuff like that. So um, reminder: next week is the Heartland e Learning Conference. Uh, I'm actually doing the plenary session that uh, at three o'clock on Monday. Um, and uh, anyway, that's available, and I'm pretty sure that it's free for students that you can go. I'll try to see if I can send that out as an email because um, they usually um, encourage that. If you come, I will vouch for you. If you come to the plenary session, I'll say, let this person in. It's one of my students. But I'm pretty sure you can get a, a free ticket to do that. Um, I want to mention before we start our Pecha Kuchas that we have a, a link about commenting um, in relation to blogs. But I want to talk also about our evaluation forms for the Pecha Kuchas. Most of you are doing a great job providing some feedback for your classmates. However, there are some of you who are saying things like, good, that's it, you know, no comment. Remember a few things about commenting. First of all, words are really powerful. I 
have felt guilt and still do feel guilt as a teacher because I do not have time or make the time to individually connect with and recognize particular students. You know, as a fourth grade teacher, I could go all week sometimes definitely talking to the kids who were having trouble, you know, who were getting in trouble or had problems, probably attending to the participating kids and the ones raising their hands. But I had weeks where the whole, the whole week went through and I might not have individually recognized a particular child or talked to that particular child. Words are really important. It's possible to go through your whole week probably and not have anybody talk with you individually. So you've got a chance with your classmates to give them some individual feedback. Take that opportunity seriously and provide them with some constructive feedback. And uh, we also had a question before class about constructive criticism. Um, on some of the links that we have on our blog, a couple times people have had a HTTP uh, doubled so that the link didn't work. It said HTTP colon slash slash and then again. And so we've had some comments saying, hey, you might want to fix that link. And the question was, is that okay? Yeah, absolutely. Um, anybody here making any mistakes when they're doing with their Scratch project? You know, messing something up, figuring something all the time, right? And that's okay. It's, it's good to be trying things out. And the only way we get better is by trying things. So just, you know, take the opportunity seriously to, to provide feedback um, on our Pecha Kucha presentations, um, just as you are with your blog comments. On our schedule um, of assignments, um, we are needing to, because of the snow day and some people moving back, do some Pecha Kucha presentations the week after spring break. So the final reflection that you'll do on your Pecha Kucha uh, won't be due until after spring break, until this Friday. Um, I will, by tomorrow, have our blog quiz up, our next quiz, for you just to um, put in the links to some of the posts that you've been writing, and it will randomly ask you for two of those, um, as it did before. And at the end of next week, we've got our third Scratch project due. What I hope that we will be doing this week is creating a second project that will involve some kind of storytelling. And we're going to hopefully have about an hour today to work with Scratch. And I've got some Scratch cards. We're going to do a, a jigsaw activity to learn about some new scripts. And, and then we're going to talk a little bit about what storytelling looks like. Um, your project this week, it was anything, right? Make something creative. Make something um, cool. I mean, how's that for guidelines? Um, you needed to make something, and if you haven't shared it yet, you need to share your project. But it was really open as far as what you did and, and what you created. Um, if you have not shared your Scratch project yet, um, I will show. I will definitely show you. I'm not going to do that right now, but I will show you how to do that when we get into our uh, Scratch phase. But what I do want to do on Scratch right now is brainstorm what our assessment is going to look like for the project. And so on our schedule, if you scroll down to week eight, there's a link here that says Scratch Assessment. And if you open up that file, it's going to open up an Etherpad file that you can type in and put information in. And the 9 a.m. section has already started to put in some ideas and some information here. A, a rubric, which is what we'll all create based on our input here, is going to give you an idea about, you know, what do I need to do to have uh, a good grade on this project. As soon as you come here, there's a limit of 15, and so unfortunately not everybody is going to get to 
be into this Etherpad uh, instance. You can go ahead and put your name up here, and it will um, you know, record your name, and you can uh, see the colors for, for people's names. The script's in an outstanding project, blank. The sprite's in an outstanding project, blank. A creative project, blank. Um, a crea a, uh, an outstanding project reflects computational thinking by blank. What I'm going to do is give you two minutes, and I want you to talk with your neighbor. If you're by yourself, you might just shift your chair so you can come up to somebody and be in a group of two or three. I want you to talk about those things. It's a lot easier to measure a project where we say, what's the capital of Oklahoma, rather than is this creative, right? Creativity is a hard thing to assess. We do it all the time in the fine arts with performance, and um, it's you know possible to do, but it's it's different than just what's two plus two. You know, what's the, you know, how far is it to to Tulsa, Oklahoma, from Oklahoma City? Those kinds of lower level uh, questions. So, uh, what I'm going to do for a timer this time. The smart board comes with smart board software, and we're going to learn how to use different tools and things like that. This is called the smart notebook software, and you can, um, you know, write with the smart notebook with the pen. You can, you know, do all kinds of um, drawing. You can change colors. There's all sorts of things you can do. But it has some different items inside its library, and some of those are timers. So I've just, uh, and the way that I would... Um, Get these is I, I just I drag them out and then I can have um, I can have this um, object that I can do things with. So I went ahead and set this for two minutes. So you've got two minutes. Turn to your neighbor and I want you to brainstorm together and one of at least one of you write down on our um, type pad some ideas about an outstanding scratch project.
Okay, so that's a little irritating. Perhaps even more irritating than the online stopwatch version. So let's take a look and see um, what, what everybody put. Um, on a technical note, this particular site is an instance of something called Etherpad. Etherpad was bought by Google, and it's a free open source program that anybody can run on their server. Your school could install their own version of Etherpad. There's different sites that have set up their own Etherpad so that you can create your own. So the one I use today is this Type With Me, and so you can just click this to create a new document. What I did was I went ahead and put the name Scratch after it, and I'm going to put Scratch 2. And if there's not a pad with that name, you just simply click Create Pad. And then it makes what we see here, an environment that without a login or password, without an email address or an account, up to 15 people can simultaneously edit together. Now, there's certainly issues with this because anybody could log in who's got the address. You don't have to put your real name there. We could have, you know, objectionable content put up there that we're, you know, have trouble figuring out who it comes from. So there's different issues. But this is the easiest way I've seen to do simultaneous editing on a document. It's free and... It's pretty powerful. One of the things you can do, I'm going to click up here on the time slider, is <clears throat> you can um, actually see how this document was created over time. So I hit the play button here, and you can see the little playhead at the top going. And so it is going through the revisions, which has been saved. And that would take a long time to play the whole thing, so I'll just slide it through. But see how this document created over time? And over on the side, I'll maximize this, you can see our author's you know, and how those authors have changed and how that document has, has changed. So Google Documents and wikis also keep uh, revisions or versions. We've had 808 saved revisions of this document. We can download it in different forms, um, but it's just a, a quick way to um, do some collaboration there. So um, those are good ideas, and I will use those to uh, come up with a rubric that we're going to share uh, and use for our uh, assessment. Please do not feel intimidated by Scratch. This is something that's new for all of us. You are not, we don't grade on a curve. There's not, you know, oh, you didn't do a game as good as, you know, as Mary did or whatever. Every, my goal for this is for everyone to get stretched in your learning about Scratch, for you to spend time creating some things and sharing those things so that you gain enough familiarity with it that it's something you could share with kids and, and you could give them an opportunity to create in Scratch as an option for a project instead of, you know, an alternative that might be a little more traditional. Mm -hmm. And so it's not actually doing your homework. It's a form of cheating. And, um, and But like with group assignments and stuff, it's also a collaboration. So a lot of high schools are having trouble. Like some of them are trying to cut, this, cut out this program, while others are trying to teach students how to do it correctly. Great point. You know, a lot of schools have called collaboration cheating for a long time. Um, when I worked for AT&T for two years here in Oklahoma, I never once had my boss tell me, Wes, I want you to just work by yourself on this. Don't use any outside resources. Don't ask anybody else for help. All that matters is what you've got in your brain. No, it was the opposite. It was, 
we got this challenge. Here's a project. We need to work together, come up with the answer. I just received an email yesterday from a, actually an elementary principal here in Oklahoma who has a controversy at her school because one of the parents has found the online textbook supplement and has been prepping her daughter at home with the questions and she's coming to school really well prepared and the principal was panicked and the teachers are too what do we do are we going to punish the you know punish them or do we what do we and it's like that's great <laughs> if the parent is involved in helping prepare the child one of the best books of practical research that you ought to know about is Robert Marzano <coughs> classroom instruction that works has anybody heard of this before so Marzano does a meta-analysis of lots of different research and comes up with somewhere around 12 different strategies that, that absolutely work, that we know increase student achievement, like time on task, like parent involvement. If you can increase the amount of time that students are spending on an assignment, research shows that increases their learning and that increases their, their uh, achievement on whatever measure that you're going to use. Parent involvement is that way too. If you can increase the involvement that your parents have with their child, the way, the number of times they talk about stuff um, that you do in school, the things they're learning, that is a really, really big win. So, yeah, these tools pose huge challenges to traditional uh, learning. One quick little anecdote about that: in Floydata, Texas, when they got their laptop project for the first time. Well, how about including a new laptop computer in with the kids' school supplies? A federal grant has made that possible for students at Floyd Data Junior High School. They're the first in the state to take advantage of the program. And KLBK 13's Monica Gutierrez went to class at Floyd Data Junior High this morning. So, Monica, how long has this grant been in the works? Well, Brian, if you can believe it, only since last February. Now, the grant was written by... I'm not going to play the whole thing. But one of the first assignments the teachers gave and the kids loved was um, type your spelling words uh, ten times each. Why did the kids love that assignment? Uh, you copy and paste, right? So you actually have to change the assignment when you change the tool. And this is the, the recommendation I had for the teacher and the principal in the, in the email last night was, it's a great time to talk about uh, authentic assessment. You know, if we are simply asking kids to regurgitate the information and not use it in some way and, and make some meaning out of it, um, you know, we can change the assessment that, that we're giving the students. And so... Uh, there, there have been some different high-profile cases of colleges where students are being um, actually taken up on academic uh, cheating charges or academic, uh, whatever, integrity, the uh, code of conduct charges. 
um, because of collaboration. Uh, there was a Facebook group. This was in uh, Canada, an engineering student, and they created for homework collaboration. And um, the professor actually charged that student, who was the administrator of the account, uh, with academic uh, you know, dishonesty and cheating. Um, study groups were tolerated in the library where kids came together and worked on their problem sets, but somehow if it involved the technology, you know, that was going to be cheating and we were going to try and kick the student out of, of college. So there's a host of different issues that come up with this. I, I want you to be aware of Etherpad. It's free to use. Um, all you have to do is share the link with somebody. And uh, you can use that to uh, collaborate on projects. And we may do some kind of project uh, this semester where we're actually collaborating with some, some students in another place. I don't have all the, the details of that worked out yet, but it, it's possible that we might. Any other comments or questions about, I promise not to talk that long for the next comment. Anything else that you'd like to say as far as Etherpad or ideas here? Okay, um, so what we're going to do now is shift into our Pecha Kucha presentations. Um, so I'd like you to go ahead and click on our handout on our Pecha Kucha presentations and click on our 11 a.m. evaluation form. And we will ask for a volunteer to come up and present. And we will be generous and kind with our evaluations. You are? Ashley. All right. Ashley, what are you going to teach us about? Or what are you going to talk about? Um, Scotland. All right. So this is Ashley, and she's going to talk about Scotland. I'll give you your... Okay. No, and I'll, I'll, I'll give it to you here. Okay. So it's better if I do it right away. It's still loading. I don't know why it takes different amounts of time for different ones. Sometimes they have software on them. What? Okay. And is it Ashley PK? Yes. Okay. All right. You're very welcome. This was the view, and this little um, building was a restaurant, 
out of the five or six that were in the in the town, that was the main one where he had to dress up and all that. This is um, St. Andrews looking at it from the street right across all the old buildings. Um, this is where you came in and you would have to buy golf balls, everything that you wanted. But it is beautiful, just all green and lush. Um, this is another place where I took a picture off the golf course. It's just all ocean. It was cold, so you couldn't have a lot of fun. But playing golf there, it's where golf started. So it's one of the most amazing sights you can see, especially if you're a golf fan like I am. Um, while me, my brothers, and my dad played golf, my mom and my brother's girlfriends went and walked around, took pictures of places. This is one of the cottages that they had out there off the ocean. Um, everything was, I've never seen anything so great before, like all the land. Um, they went to castles and old buildings that they had that were de like brought down or everything. But this was, I think, one of the castles that they went to. Um, I'm not sure exactly where it was in Scotland because we went to a couple of different places, but I wish I would have been able to go there. I was on the golf course the whole time. This is one of the golf courses that we were at, and it, we were walking on cliffs. It was, we walked up huge hills to play this course. And it was extremely windy that, that day. It was like 40, 50 mile an hour wind, walking up hills that were, you couldn't even see the top of it. It was so much fun. This is St. Andrew's old course, and this is called Hell's Bunker. And when you're on the tee, you cannot see it. But when you get close to it, this is my brother at the edge. It's huge. You can't see when you get in it. You can't see where you're going to hit. So it was ridiculous. My dad actually got in that bunker. It was pretty funny seeing him get out. Um, this is another bunker that was, um, this is actually two holes. There's a flag right here and then another team right there. And they cross paths. So this, I actually hit right in front of it with the driver. So I was like 40 yards out. But you have to switch, like, so you hit across people, you could hit them if you're on the same green. So it's kind of fun. This is St. Andrew's Hotel. It's the memorable hotel right off the 18th hole. Um, uh, you'll see in another picture that we actually hit above it to on the 17th hole um, and how open the whole course is. It's a very open course, but it's extremely bumpy and hard. Um, this is us, my dad, my brothers and I. Um, just getting ready to tee off. It, we had to wait, I think my dad has planned this for two years, um, so we could get tea time. Um, there's a lot of people playing that day. All of us had a caddy, but this is the only time when I had a caddy. This is off the 18th hole, looking at it. This is the um, first hole in the 18th hole put together. So it's open, but there's people that could walk through it, cars that could pass through it. But many people still hit onto the uh, street and the buildings over there. This was my favorite hole of the whole place. It wasn't at St. Andrews, but as a par five, I was in one of these bunkers, hit in, um, hit out in three, and made it. So I got an eagle on that hole. And my brother stayed to me forever. But this was my favorite hole of all time. But all the bunkers, it's extremely hard not to get into one of them. This was one of the towns that we were in and how small it is just to drive through. I thought I was going to die because my dad drives recklessly. He likes to look around when he drives. 
And so when I'm sitting um, next to where the cars are passing me, it's not very much fun. I, I had to sit in the front the whole time. Um, this is my dad when he was a little bit tired. The, um, he has a little wine glass in his hand, falling asleep at dinner. Um, the sun stayed up from 6 to 9. So you could play a couple of rounds of golf, but all we did was eat, sleep, drink, play golf. That's all there was. So this is hole 17. This is the most memorable one because you hit over the old course hotel. Um, it's kind of scary because you can't go very far left because of all the uh, grass. You can't see your ball. The grass can go up to your knees. You cannot see your ball. Um, so it was extremely scary. I actually hit the hotel and landed on the right rough, but I was 100 yards out from the green, so I was very happy. Everybody else went left into the rough, so I think I had a good plan of hitting the hotel and coming down pretty fast. Um, everybody hated me for that, but you know what? I was lucky. Um, I just want to show another um, how big and tall the bunkers are. This is my brother. He's 6'2". He's not even standing in the bunker. And you can see how tall it is on him. If he was in the bunker, which is another foot down, you would maybe be able to see the top of the black stick from there. So, and sand is my worst thing, so it's hard. And this is the memorable 18th hole um, bridge where all my family um, had to take a picture. My brother, my older brother in the middle, supposed to prepare, uh, propose to his girlfriend then, but he was a little too chicken to do that. So um, we didn't get to see that, which would have been awesome. But so this was Scotland. We stayed there for a week. We played for six days. My dad and I played seven golf courses in six days. So it was tiring. I did not see anybody in a kilt. I saw one person, and that was in the airport coming home. Yeah, it was extremely cold there. So. How long do you play golf? Um, I've been playing since freshman year of high school. Um, I've been doing summer clinics for a while. I used to play for UCF, but I don't do that anymore. So it's just fun. Did you have a scholarship originally? Yeah. How can a golf scholarship pay all, all your tuition fees? Or um, it could, not here, but... Uh, if I would have actually kept with it, and my mental game is a bad thing, uh, we call it the pain temper. My brothers have broken clubs over their knees, over trees, throwing their clubs over. I throw my clubs sometimes, but... It can be dangerous to golf with I've hit my best friend a couple of times with my club before. She was in the way of the club, so... But that's... Any other questions or comments?
And like I said, the road leading in and out of the ghost town was just it was solid dirt road, nothing else. There was one road that ran in and one road that came out. This was the falls in Ure. As you can see, it's really, really far back in the back. Um, my mom loved this town. She always says that she wants to live here. It's pretty much away from everything. Um, it's down into um, a mountain valley, so it's away from everything. Um, this is the North Clear Creek Falls uh, near Creed. Um, as when you first go into it, it's a big, huge field. You can't even see the waterfall at all until you walk closer up to the waterfall, and then it's just like the amazing waterfall. Um, we tried to walk all the way down the bottom, but it was really, really too far, and we couldn't get, get down all the big rocks. <laughs> this is the falls by Pagosa Springs. It's called Treasure Falls. Um, this is, if you love to hike, this is a really, really good um, waterfall to hike up to. Um, we really got hot <laughs> walking up to the waterfall, but when once you got close enough to the waterfall, you know, just, it cools you off. Um, this is at Mesa Verde. Um, this is across the valley. This is called Cliff Palace, and it is the largest cliff dwelling in North America. Um, I thought the cliff dwellings were really cool because you got to look into the lives of how the Pueblo people lived over, they lived here for 700 years. This is a closer up picture of the cliff, dwell, uh, the cliff palace. Um, it has 150 rooms and 23 kivas. Kivas are the little round things that go into the ground. They were just their spiritual places where they went and worshipped. Um, the doorways in the for all the cliff ones, really small. I think they said the people to be um, under 5'5". Five five. There was nobody over 5'5". Um, five five. Um, these cliff dwellings are made out of sandstone, mortar, and wooden beams. This is a picture of the wall painted inside of one of the rooms. Um, they decorated their walls kind of just like we would paint ours, but in a different way, as you can see. They used their hands and fingers to paint, um, and they made their um, the paint out of water, oils, and sometimes urine because they didn't have water to make the paint. This is the Square Tower House. It is the tallest structure. Um, as you can tell, kind of, it's four stories high. Um, the rooms collapsed after they've been abandoned. And you can see up here um, where the, the rock is black. That is original black smoke from the fires that they um, had. This was our last place we visited. It was at the Four Corners. It is where Arizona, New Mexico, Colorado, and Utah meet. And it is the only place in the U.S. where you can stand in four states at once. I thought that was really cool to be able to stand in four states at once. So. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I don't know about, but maybe, 
they took they have a lot of helicopter rides that I would have loved to go on. They also have a ride that you can ride on on the other side of the bridge, like on this side. And uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the rides where you're strapped in on your tummy and you can go out and they go out over. Oh. So, like that would be really scary. So they do. They do bungee jump. Yeah, yeah. they did when did I went. They? they were doing it off the bridge. Yeah, the middle, they, right in the middle of the bridge. They would. Yeah, did they? Mm -hmm. I don't think I saw. Um, any people what age do you think is the best so. to take a family trip for, for the kids to be? Um, like this. I think that, I mean, I like the summer. I like the warm air. Yeah, <laughs> so, I mean, like, age of, of children. Like, how, how old were you? And, like, if you were giving advice to parents about taking big trips, like, what, what age do you think is the best to make an impact and to be a memorable thing? Um, I was, this is in 2006, so I was... 12 or 13 when I went, and um, I still think it was very memorable for me. So I think, and then even my brother, he's uh, four years younger than me, and he likes all that. I mean, all the different kinds of, um, like, older stuff, like the Mesa Verde, like, he really enjoyed. And so I think, I mean, I would even love to go back today, so um, to the same places where we went six years ago, just to, you know, recap and... Um, but my family's a big, we go on a lot of trips and we like to see, like, you know, different things like this, so. as the rock and it used to be a lighthouse and then 
military court and a military prison and then a federal prison. Fourteen inmates tried to escape and they were all caught and there was one guard for every three inmates. And then we went to Lake Tahoe. It is a freshwater lake. Um, it's the second deepest lake in the United States. Two-thirds of its shoreline is in California. Um, we went bicycling around um, parts of Lake Tahoe and it was very pretty. You got to see like, lots of nature and stuff like that. And then um, the second part, then the next day we took um, a like little cruise around Lake Tahoe and we went through like some coves and they just gave like history of Lake Tahoe and all different kinds of stuff like that. And then we um, on, went on like the coastline of um, California and we went to different beaches and one of them we stopped at was called Big Sur. And when we were there, they had like um, elephant seals and they only come up so often and they form colonies and have their babies and the rest of the year they were just like swimming and finding food. And then we went, or these are kind of a little bit out of order, but then we went back to Lake Tahoe and um, the gondola we rode. It's very pretty. We went in the summer and it like, holds eight passengers and it takes 2.4 miles to go up the mountain. 12 minutes to ride up the mountain, and like the first stop is like the observation deck, which is really pretty, and you get to see lots of the, the lake. And the second stop is like for hiking and skiing. And then we went to San Francisco, and this is Lombard Street. It's the crookedest street. It has about eight turns, and it's one fourth mile, one fourth mile long. Um, it, the speed limit is five miles an hour, but um, it's paved with brick, and it has seasonal flowers there and the residents that live in those houses wish that this is not for the public. And the Golden Gate <coughs> Bridge, we toured all the way around it, but like our favorite part was going to the Four Point National Historic Site um, because they gave lots of information about how the um, Golden Gate Bridge was like constructed and like they thought it was going to be $30 million, but it only ended up being like $1.3 million. And this is... Um, Alamo Square Point Park, and a lot of you know the, the show Full House, but Full House, House is not really there. It's um, somewhere else in San Francisco. And um, the corner house is where Mr. Mr. Adamity Doubtfire was there. And then we went to Seattle, Washington. We went up in the Space Needle, and it was built in 1962 as the Sky City restaurant. And to the top of the Space Needle is 605 feet tall. It costs $4.5 million to build, and the space saucer doesn't actually turn. It's the, the windows that rotate. And then we went well watching in Seattle, and we went through like Puget Sound, and we saw orca wells. And on our first trip, um, we didn't really see much, but then like towards the end, like these the big wells just came up by our boat, and like it shook the whole boat. It was really cool. Very, very cool. And then um, we went to the, the Lake Washington Ship Canal. It was built in 1916, connects saltwaters and Puget Sound with the freshwaters and Lake Huron and Lake Washington. And what was really interesting was um, they have a little place where the salmon come and they hibernate and have their young and die, which like it was really cool to see that. And then Hurricane Ridge we went to, and we were on the Olympic Mountain. And the hike we took was very, very long. We saw lots of nature. We saw like a deer that was like coming <coughs> towards us. And um, it was worth the hike once you got to the top to see the scenery, but um, I probably wouldn't have been. This is um, Kissing Camels. It's located in Colorado Springs. It's called the Garden of the Gods. Um, Charles Perkins 
um, on this um, back in the day, and he owned 240 acres, and then his family gave it to Colorado Springs because they didn't want any buildings or anything built on it. And then we went to the Royal Gorge. Um, it's over the Arkansas River. Um, they, they began building it in 1929. Back then it cost 350000 Today it would have cost $20 million. The bridge holds $2 million. Pounds. We went whitewater rafting, and that was like the funnest thing ever. Um, we almost all fell out of the boat. <laughs> and then we went to the Cheyenne Mountain Zoo in Colorado Springs. And my favorite um, exhibit was the African Rift Valley um, because you got to actually like feed the giraffes and they came up to you and you could like pet on them and that was really cool. Um, and then we went to Seven Falls. Um, they have like two trails. You can take the Midnight Falls, which is the shorter trail, and then the Inspiration Point, which is the hour trip. And then once you get to the, the hour trip, um, there's the, um, Helen Jackson's lay to rest there, and she's the writer. And um, when you got to the top of the Seven Falls, you could take, oh, sorry. And then Mall of America, you can fit seven Yankee stadiums, can fit inside of the mall. A lot of you probably know there's a TLC show there, and um, we uh, takes 86 hours to tour all the stores in the mall. If you only spend 10 minutes in each store, there's 11,000 year-round employees. Um, then we went to the Nickelodeon Universe. That's 25 rides, um, 30,000 live plants, and 400 trees. And like the tallest tree is like 35 feet tall. Very clean um, for a uh, theme park. I would do it again. Uh, it was so clean. We were all amazed about how clean it was. Um, then we went to the Glen Sheen Estate. This is in Duluth, Minnesota. It was built in 1905. Um, both of these people went to college and they met there and they got married, but he wouldn't marry her until he was rich. And they, He was an attorney. They had seven kids. It cost back then $854,000. had 39 rooms and 27,000 square feet. And then this is the Aerial Lift Bridge. In Duluth, Minnesota, my dad is really into bridges, so he had to see this because he's kind of an engineer. And we went um, sea fishing in there, and we had to wait for it to lift. And while we were there, the bridge was broken, and we all had to wait in traffic for like three hours.
to do some sharing like we did last time to invite people to come up and share a couple things. Anybody want to just share a comment or a thought that either they shared or their neighbor did about some of the things you learned or tried? I couldn't figure out how to do the sound throughout the whole ah. project. Okay. Um, one way to do that is on the stage and with a forever loop. So you can go to the stage... When the green flag is clicked, forever, and then when you go to your sound, um, play the sound until done. See, I did that for some reason. I didn't do it. Could it? Would it play the sound when you when you double clicked your sound? Yeah, it played it at the very beginning, uh -huh. and then it stopped, and then we went on with the rest of the oh, And you have it inside a forever loop. Mm -hmm. Okay. Interesting. Did anybody else run into that? I mean, we could troubleshoot that maybe by trying it within a, um, a loop that says a specified number of times, you know, uh, for, to repeat. Um, maybe we can take a look at, at your script a little bit later and, and see. Yeah. Any other comments or... One of the things that I want to point out to you before we do our, our jigsaw activity today 
Um, and I'm going to sh- I'll share real quickly what I learned uh, for my project this week. Um, is our the resources that we have for Scratch. So there's a few of these that I've shown you, but there's a lot of things that are on this site, this page rather, about Scratch that are great to explore and take a look at. One that I want to draw your attention to is the uh, Scratch Reference Guide. So I'm going to open up the Scratch Reference Guide. And one of the things I hopefully mentioned last week was that I want you to think about studying yourself and the way that you learn the best and having something completely new and novel like Scratch provides you an opportunity to do that. Last week, we had just some more direct instruction where I was kind of taking you through some things step by step. Uh, Today, we're going to do a jigsaw activity where you're going to work with a partner with a Scratch card that has some instructions about a script, and you're going to learn about that together, and then you're going to teach the class about those things. So um, this reference guide, however, is a just linear, it's like a textbook for Scratch, okay? Introduction, and here are the sprites and the costumes, the blocks and the scripts. Here's a little description about the interface. So we talked last week about this being the stage, and these were the scripts or the blocks that we pull over, and this is where we build them, and this is where we have our sprites, and we've got our tabs um, to show that we can, you know, have scripts and costumes and sounds. And then it goes into each one of these, the stage. The origin is at zero, zero, and how high can I go? I can go up 180 pixels and down 180 pixels and left and right 240. Um, It talks about how to bring your sprites in. You can paint your own. You can import them, which is what we did most of the time last week, and then get a surprise sprite. And that's actually how I did my project this week. I just clicked that three times and got three sprites, and my seven-year-old worked with me to make a little story, and we just made a little story to go with those sprites. That's how we did our project. So um, this is just, you know, step-by-step kind of from the beginning. And this is a reference guide, and it uh, not only covers the basics that we've kind of already talked about now with costumes and with sounds and things like that, but it also gets into um, some more advanced things. So uh, here we've got the green flag that we can click on when we start. And now we can paint. When I get down here to page 11, we start to learn about keeping score. Oh, my gosh. So this is something I have not done yet. Uh, In fact, I think I might give this a try for my final project. Um, But you can use the variable block and, and category, and then you can make your program keep a score when it touches something or when it goes through something or, you know, you, you, you get to decide. This is more advanced. You don't have to get to this point, but the, the reference guide here is a great thing to take a look at and to be aware of that it's here. You know, definitely the stuff about strings and variables, you know, you, we can get into some pretty uh, complicated math um, as we're doing this. So that is the Scratch reference guide. The other thing that I want to point out to you is... Um, There is a link I have here to the Scratch Wiki to the Scratch project types. So when you share a Scratch project, and the way that you do that is by just going up to the Share menu in Scratch, and you say Share this project online, and it lets you log in with your username and password and then put the information that you've got. It has six categories of projects, animation, art, games, music, simulations, and stories. Well, this page of the Scratch Wiki 
uh, gives you a little more information about those project types, which it defines as the main kinds of projects. But there's other kinds. There's even spam, and we're probably not going to be creating spam projects. But anyway, these are the other categories that they've come up with. And what I would like you to do this week for your project is you, you don't have to completely start over. I'd encourage you to think about just trying something different. Um, and then maybe your last project will be something you build on that you had already started. But I'd like you to try some kind of animation that tells a story. And uh, what I'm going to show you now is an example of um, a project that does that. So. This was the project that I did with Rachel, and this took us uh, an hour and a half to do. I had wanted to just spend an hour, but it took a little bit longer than that to get it finished. I'm going to try and pause this and then download it. So I'm going to, I've logged in. I'm going to click on my title here, and then it'll open up in Scratch. And we'll take a look at, at this story first, and then we'll uh, look at the scripts. <coughs> Okay, and that's it. So that's not, uh, you know, a masterpiece of storytelling amazement, but um, there were a lot of things that we learned as a result of doing that. One of the first things that this project required was to have multiple backgrounds. So it started off white, and then we had some city scenes, and then we ended up with this scene of the lake. So we had to put those backgrounds on the stage, and I went ahead and gave them names so that I'd be able to refer to them. The scripts on the stage changed the backgrounds. And so when I click the green flag, it starts off with the white background. Did anybody find a reset button in Scratch that says reset everything to the beginning? Did anybody find that? It doesn't exist, I guess. I uh, looked on the Scratch forums for it, and what it said was, you need to set your project up so it makes the initial conditions as you want them to be. So if I want my background to be white, I've got to make it white at the very beginning. Similarly with my sprites. If I only want to show certain ones and not others, I've got to hide those at the beginning. So the main like concept tool, and this is something that was very clear last, last hour. I'm going to tell you about this, but until you actually do it, it might not click with you how this works. There is a, to a tool called Broadcast. Okay? Think about this as like a director of the movie, okay? And somebody says, it's, you know, break time, all right? 
This is an announcement. Broadcast. It's break time, everybody. And then when break time's announced, you can have sprites do different things. So in this project, um, we have, I had characters talking to each other, and Rachel's idea for the story was, you know, let's just have the cat and the uh, elephant. They, they are tired of eating trash, and they're going to go on a, sh on a ship. So that was, that was the plan. Before you go to the computer, you probably want to think about your plan. Scratch works really well when I've got a story and something that I've created, and then I come in here and I animate it, and I've already got a story written and something planned out. As a fourth grade teacher, my favorite planning tool was butcher paper. We just had a roll of butcher paper in the room, and we tear off butcher paper, and we draw out our plan. That could be for a writing assignment that we were doing. Scratch wasn't invented in the mid-'90s, so we didn't have Scratch. We had a program called Hyper Studio um, that was kind of similar, but not nearly as, as advanced and fun as this. So anyway, having the students write down their plan, they could draw out a storyboard, you know, think about their characters. There's all kinds of things that we can do with this. So basically, there were several scenes, and when we went to scene one, it switched the background to the night city. When it came to scene two, it was going to switch to the city background and twice play the hip-hop uh, sound, and then you can see that you know, there's a little bit of waiting in here. So let's take a look at the cat. What happens to the cat? Well, when it's clicked, this is initial conditions. He's going to be set to 100% because I had the sizes change of my sprites. He shows up and he goes to the origin, 0, 0. And then he plays the cat sound and then he comes um, to say the story. If he's going to play a sound, I've got to import the sound. So that was something that I had to do with my sprite is I had to come over here and import the sound. In this case, I didn't change his costume, so he, he just had the same costume. He's kind of boring. And then he waited, and then he hid. And then at the end of that, he makes the announcement, scene one. So what can happen at scene one? Over here on the stage, the background will change. Over here... On the shark, which I just left named Sprite, uh, when he receives scene one, what does he do? He goes over here to the corner. He gets smaller, and then he shows up. The gong plays. He glides to the middle. He starts to talk. Then the Star Wars theme plays. Okay, how does that happen? Well, if it's a sound, I've got to import it. Now, is George Lucas going to sue me? Is LucasArts going to come after me for this? Because it's copyrighted, right? That's a copyrighted song. Well, what do you think? You can play like a certain There is something called fair use, and there are different things that calculate into fair use, and the portion that I use is definitely part of it. Would you say that I'm taking away from the sales of the Star Wars soundtrack by John Williams with this project? Probably not. You know, if I come take the complete perfect recording of, of John Williams and an orchestra playing that, and I put that on the web, and I don't transform it in any way, critique it, or evaluate it, do anything original with it, that's not going to probably be fair use. But like you said, I'm using a portion of it. I'm using a piece of it, and I'm definitely making something creative. Now, whether it's great or whatever, that's a different story. But it's a transformative work. Uh, I'm not at all concerned that I'm going to you know, be in hot water with this because this is a, is a, a transformative work. I could give uh, him credit and have you know, credits and attribution. In this particular case, we're not worrying about that as much. But I had to put the sound in there. Yes? 
Good question. The gong and the guitar chords were already in the program. I clicked import and it had the categories and I found the um, I found them there. In the case of the sound for the Star Wars theme, I found that on the internet. You do want to be careful when you're downloading sound files and other things from your computer. Um, you probably know that Windows computers are the most malware and virus prone computers on the planet. One of the things I love about using my Mac is I don't even run any kind of antivirus stuff because there are no viruses or malware in the wild for Macs. It's a wonderful thing. Um, so you do want to be careful when you're going to sites and you know you could be looking for a Star Wars theme and you click on it, oh, and guess what? I just installed, you know, a bad virus on my machine. So it's going to be safer to stick with things that are already um, already part of the, of the program. Um, just, you know, run good antivirus software and your machine should scan anything that you download to try and keep you safe, keep your definitions and that stuff updated. But this was a mix. That was something that I downloaded and then there are other things that I, I brought in. So... Um, there was some math that I had to figure out here because you can see this part of the script. He's going to come in and talk. The, the song starts, and now he starts moving fast. So I just did this with a repeated loop 20 times going back and forth between these two spots. But I had to fiddle with that, right? I had to tinker with that. How much time is going to, you know, do I need for that? Uh, is that going to be too fast? Is that going to be too slow? Um, 0.2 seconds or two tenths of a second ended up being, you know, what it, what seemed like like it, it needed. So um, the elephant was a lot simpler. He was kind of just in there for the one scene. I called that the elephant enters. He goes and gets half his size and shows up and talks. And uh, then at the end of that, he makes the announcement. Scene three. Okay. And then at the end of scene, when scene three happens. Um, the boat is going to appear, the background changes, it waits a second, and then um, he cruises across. So that was something to figure out, too. Um, there's the boat, and then here's the last script for the cat. <laughs> I had to figure out, you know, where the cat uh, needed to be in relation to the boat and how big he needed to be, and... Um, I think I also had to set the layer somehow. I think there was something that I had to do to make to make him make the boat be on top of him. So, anyway, that was some stuff that I that I learned um, doing this this story. One of the things to notice too is there's some timing issues. In addition to the broadcast flag, there's waiting. Right? See how the cat waits three and a half seconds and he's waiting for something to happen. And then he says he's tired. The elephant comes in and he waits three and a half seconds and he's responding. So this is another way that you can have dialogue between your characters. You green flags clicked and the dog comes in, he says something, and then the cat's going to wait three seconds before he talks. All right. So just some ideas for a very basic, you know, storytelling project. Any questions or comments or thoughts about that? Okay, well, what we're going to do is I'm going to give you about 10 minutes, and on the Scratch website, I mentioned that there's lots of resources here. One of the resources, which is just awesome to use with your students, and we're going to use it, and I would encourage you to use them too, are called the Scratch Cards. And this is under Scratch Tutorials, it's number two. These are PDF files that you can print out, as I have today, and then... Um, actually just fold them over 
I'm gonna. I've already done this before, but I'll do it again. I've, I'm downloading the zip file, so they're all here. This is actually a good reason to use a color printer. Sometimes color printers get wasted in school. <laughs> all our scripts are different colors, so if you have these printed in color, which unfortunately I don't today, you are going to be able to see what the script, um, you know, what the script color is. So if you and your partner want to actually see the color, um, let me know. One of the ones that was tricky was the last one on keep score, and the keep score is. I guess this is orange. I think the control one's more yellow, and that's orange. <coughs> and you have to go to that orange um, category, and you've got to click make a variable first before things start to appear. So we're going to do a jigsaw strategy. And how this is going to work is I'm going to set the timer for 10 minutes. I'd like everybody to work with a partner. And I think we will have enough scratch cards for each group to have one. And hopefully we don't have an odd number, but if we do, then let me know and we'll put you in a group of three. But I, I would like for you to just share a computer. If you need to move chairs around, you can, but I want you to work with a partner. Um, when I say go, one of your partner members, your team members, is going to come get a scratch card. I've already printed these out, so get one of them. And then you all are going to come back, use these scripts to figure out how they work, and then add to it to put this into a project. And then you're going to teach the class about this um, particular script and how it works. Okay? Any questions? All right. Find ourselves a partner. Some partner come get a scratch card, and you've got 10 minutes. Feel free to ask me questions. I'll be delighted to try and lend you some assistance as best I can. Okay, yeah, see if we can oh. get these first. This is a second copy I've got just in case we run out and we need more. You certainly may. Go right ahead. Okay. You, who else needs a partner? Okay, she does up there up front. Or she, and she's got a card. Does anybody not, any team not have a card? Anybody not have a scratch card?
excuse me. That is so cool. I think that it's under operators or variables. Go to operators. Pick random. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, that, that's what I'm doing. Okay. Yes. Okay, never mind. Yeah, the colors, like I can bring up. Which one are you doing? I'll go store. Yeah, that's it. I'll bring that one up. And you've got to make a variable to me. Okay. Okay. So you're good? Make the the cat. Uh, the cat bigger. Yeah. Okay. Go to looks. I think is it, there's a set size. Yeah. Yep. Set size. So drag that out. Dra uh, drag it out there. Uh huh. And put it into your script. And then you can make it a bigger number. So if you want to make him 200%, and do 200. And double. You can like double click it to see what it does. You definitely click that script. Does it do it? You double click it. Yeah. It'll do it. And if you do it again, like double click it again. Well, I guess it doesn't do it. It, it. So, yeah, you can just change the number to 300 or whatever. Hello. Y'all doing okay? Okay. <laughs> You all can add add to your script some more if you want to, to or add to your project to do some other things. Some of your some of your cards are really basic, so you can add you know beyond your card. You've got about four minutes, and uh, you're going to be the teacher with your partner once the time's up. So just talk about what you're going to explain and what you're going to show, and who's going to do what. <laughs> I 
like that. Is is that a built-in animation, or did you draw the draw that in? The background? No, the the face. Like yeah, we did the eyebrows. That's nice. I like it. Is he pointing? Is it where he's pointing? Or? I mean, he's always pointing that way. He just goes down. So I thought we need to change like the X and Y position. You can change where he's turning. So you could, um, or you could say point in direction. So, but it didn't have it in that script, does it? Um, put the point in direction. So have him point. Yeah, put, put that in. Right, right after the move? Or maybe or at the beginning. Okay. Uh, uh, that, Let's see what it does. Yeah, that's or, fine. That's good. It could be in there or just it could actually be outside the script too. Okay. So 90 is, is to the right. 180 is down. So pick a number. If you want to do diagonal, that's like, you know, 120 or just try that. Okay, see what that does. Oh, huh, that worked. Wow. Okay. So you can play with that number and, and change yeah, that a little bit. Because that's, little yeah, and you could even alter that, right? So you could, I don't know how you do, maybe you do a variable. There'd be some way that you could make it change. So it reduces every time. You know, it could start at 90, oh, okay. so it starts going right, and then you could, you know, have him go down. Mm-hmm. Or you can have him turn by a certain number of degrees. Try that one. Um, take take that take one in. That yeah, take uh, yeah, take that one. Do that. Take it down. Take the script below it down. Okay, and you can you can leave that one in, or if you okay. want to just uh, do it later, and then say turn. Yeah, 15 degrees. Put that one in. Okay, so drag that whole thing in there. Okay, now do it and see what happens. Okay, so he's turning 15 degrees each time. So he actually should go in a circle. Yep. So and if you would start over here, and then you would actually right. do a circle. Time is up. Um, last class, we had and we had fewer people. We actually just gathered around computers. But there is this super fancy software in here called Vision that will let us look at each other's screens. So I'll, I'll do mine uh, demo quick because I picked up the last card that wasn't taken. And then um, 
We'll have everyone minimize their screen so we can figure out who's doing the demo. Uh, you don't have to minimize them yet. Um, and anyway, and then we'll, we'll let you do the demo from your seat. You'll just have to talk, talk loud. All right, this was a pretty easy one. It was just a set whirl effect. So under looks, there are uh, different effects that you can do. Uh, Fisheye, pixelate, mosaic, brightness, ghost. But <clears throat> instead of putting a number, it said mouse. And so this one just distorts the little squirrel's face based upon where the mouse is. So one of the things we're going to find is there's di you don't always have to start with a green flag. And you can input with different techniques. Like you can use the arrow keys. You can use the space bar. You can press a key. Um, you might want to provide those instructions to people at the beginning if you're going to use something besides the green flag. But um, anyway, that was uh, a real Real simple one. So if everybody will minimize everything on your screen, um, except our first group, and the, who had the change color um, one? All right. So if you all, if whoever's going to do the demo, one of you decide who's going to do the demo, leave your scratch up. If you look up at the screen, it looks like, da-da-da, is that you? Yay. Okay, so you can unminimize if you want to play in Scratch as they're they're demoing it. And so you've got about uh, a minute and a half. You're the, you all are the teachers, so basically just explain to us what you did, show us your project, and anything else that you learned as a result of playing with that script. Okay. All right. So show us your project. What does it do? And he turns around too. So what other scripts did you put in there so that he would keep moving and change around? Right. It looks better animated, like it's not as jumpy. Yeah, and then we just put it on a forever loop. Okay. Yeah, when he like turns upside down, we can figure out how to make him stay. Okay. Anybody know how to do that? So one of the buttons there on the top, yep, we'll, we'll write him. The bottom one locks him? Oh, okay. Yeah, no. I didn't know that. Cool. So you can lock your sprite so that he, it doesn't. I said he. Wasn't that presumptuous of me? That, that may be a female butterfly. She. All right. Cool. Very good. Okay. So that was our first group. I'm going to minimize that screen. And uh, who had moved to a beat? Okay. Um, if everyone will minimize except our move to the beat group. We'll try and identify. Help me out. Is this you, 19, or no? Down here? Okay. All right. You may unminimize and tell us about Move to a Beat.
<laughs> so she's dancing on the wharf while the boat goes by. <laughs> All right. Very cool. One thing I realized today is, you know, they've got some of those speakers that are real portable and you just plug in just to the top of your iPod or something. That'd be kind of good for this kind of thing to just plug in. So uh, next week, well, I'll, we'll see. But th they've got some headphones and things like that and microphones that we can check out. We might get those for next week. So, okay. Anything else you all learned about that one? That's pretty much it. Okay. Good job. Um, who had key moves? That was y'all? Okay. So help me out to identify 19. Okay. All right. Tell us about key moves. Okay, so you're just pressing the arrow key. Just pressing the arrow key to move around. Okay. If you hold it down, they'll move a bit faster, but if you try to it's kind of hard to get away. Um, we were trying to figure out how to make it do something whenever the fish actually touches it. Right. But I couldn't find that. Okay. So I think if you go to sensing under control, um, there's one about touching. So, somewhere, touch, yeah, touch, yeah, yeah, so drag, drag that one out, and let's take a look at that one. So, touching, and then click on the icon, so touching, what is his name, Sprite 3 is your fish, okay? So, if he touches Sprite 3, and then you might, if we, if, we'll, we'll do the score thing here in a minute, so that would be some, maybe you would take points away. Yeah, or you can make a sound. Um, that might just be the feedback. It'd be easy. The, the whole thing with scoring, I haven't tried that yet, so that's a little more complicated. But making a, a sound, a buzzer, you know, something like that when he touches, you could do that. Cool. And then something you might do with that script, if you put that one up again, you might put that script about the touching um, as a green flag one so that it's going to go uh, for the entire game because you would always want it to be sensing um, you know, if I'm if I'm touching this, and I think you've got to put that in a block. So go to go to yeah, go to control and put an if. Yeah, win, win, yeah, no, that's good. Put at your win the green flag. Now go to if, drag out an if loop, and put the if loop under the green. Now drag touching into that thing. So now you've defined if I'm touching the sprite. Now say what to do. All right. So after you click the green flag, any time that cat touches the fish, it's going to do whatever you have there in the middle. Okay, you yeah, play with it and see. But that, though that's the, the basic idea there is... That's all right. Okay, good job. So that was key moves. Who had say something? All right, help me with your number. Can you identify your screen? Nine? You think? Okay, cool. Tell us about the Say Something script. Uh, it's pretty basic. It just tells us to um, put that on there, have it say something, click, have it say something, uh, so it's the day I didn't know it was to fly. 
It didn't really put the hip away. Cool. So that made the connection between the sprites. Cool. And this is neat because it can repeat multiple times. If you just done that off the green flag, you know, you'd have to hit green flag each time. But once you hit every time you click the duck. All right. Excellent use of the broadcast flag, too. Or not flag, whatever. Broadcast brick, but a block. We don't have speakers connected to anybody else's computer except the instructors. So your sound is working, it's just that there's no output device. So if you plugged a headphone, set of headphones in, or we plugged a speaker in, we'd hear. So. I had a question. Do you know how to make something like uh, during the thing, moving one way and flipping the other way? Like in the action, you did that as a thing? Great question. Um, let me reopen. I wonder if I can. I know there's just that button you can just flip the, the sprite, but I don't know if you like make it automatic. Where it automatically flips? Yeah. Well, well, I guess I can show it with this one. In the in costume, well, one way the, the way I did it with the shark was I went ahead and, and copied oh. my script, and then when you go in to edit it, you've got some flip and rotate options here, so I can make my squirrel upside down. All right, so my set, my squirrel two can be the upside down squirrel, and my squirrel one can can be that. So that's copying it, and then you can edit it and make changes. You can also rotate him. So that's one way that you can do it. I'm glad to know this about locking. I didn't realize this rotate. Under motion or looks, I think it's under motion. I think, I don't know that this is... Doesn't actually show turning, it just shows the position after. Right, I think that's the direction that you're turning, like your sprite. So, like if I did a script and said for him to move 10 steps and, uh, and turn... You know, he's actually turning. So you can end up having your sprite turn under motion, um, or you can have, you know, different oriented sprites by having different costumes and changing the costumes, too. That's my the limit of my knowledge about rotating. I need to know more about the resetting stuff. A big learning thing for me was this idea that there's not a reset button, so I need to set it up at the beginning to be like I want. If I'm going to have 100% and he's going to be with the you know, upside-down costume, that's what I need to set up at the beginning. I need to say, set the costume to Squirrel 2. And then set his size to be 100%, if that's, if that's what you know, I want to have happen at the beginning. Okay, uh, good job. Who had Glide? You did? Okay, which are you guys number four? Maybe? Okay, go for it.
the last the last slide end up we end up like in the bottom right corner if you wanted. So we just had to play with it with a graph for the next one after. Okay. Make it go in the positive instead of the negative. So then you just have to go from just like that to get down to the bottom, and then on spacebar. We were playing around with seeing if, like, if I made a turn like 360 degrees or even like 1,020 or whatever it was, or 1080, if you would actually like spin that many times, then I realized it just, just ends up in whatever that position is, you don't actually get to see a loop. Huh. So well, you could put it maybe in a loop if you wanted to do a loop and a weight or something, okay. perhaps. I don't know. And then, so that if you on the edge, you would bounce. So go to your motion um, category and drag in a move into that uh, second script. The move 10 steps, drag that move 10 steps uh, into that uh, script. Yeah, yeah. And now press your space bar a couple times. Let's see what he does. And keep, yeah, keep pressing it. So some, you know, for some of these, you'll the green flag can just be like, all right, play, go, you know, like I'm playing a, a, a CD or something like that. Um, when you start introducing the space bar and the arrow keys and those kind of things, you know, that's where it, it definitely becomes more like a game and more interactive when you want people to do things. So, yep, all right, good. The glide command is good because it it can produce more, you know, smooth motion, I think, than the move. Who had follow the mouse? All right, and what number do you think you all are? Oh, is there a number on your computer? Yeah. Hey, isn't that cool? Look at that. All right, learn something new. Okay, tell us about Follow the Mouse. Um, we just follow the directions. It was really easy. Um, we just went to the control, and everything starts whenever you hit the green twist. Okay, what number are you? 17. 17. That's so much faster. All right. What did you do? What did you learn? So that's called Dance Twist, and that's the Whirl Effect. Who had Interactive Whirl? I did. I already did that. Uh, who had Animate It? Uh, All right. What number are you? Uh, <laughs> it's on your computer, I think. 13. 
And then I made a second costume where I put in the eyebrows and the mean mouth. <laughs> okay. Is that a stage script? Yes. Okay. Changing the color and putting a All right. So you've got different things to change, color, swirls, that thing. All right. Who had moving animation? We're going to go quick here. we got three more. What number are you? Ten. Okay. Tell us about moving animation. Oh, you're right. It's not. That's the flying hippo. To ten. How about that one? So you had animation, and he moved across the screen, and that was not with a glide, but with a forever loop, and you had to learn a little bit about your directions. Okay, we got two more. Surprise button. Good job. Twelve. Okay, tell us about the surprise button. job. And last one, keeping score. What number, y'all? 26. Remember, these scratch cards are linked on our site, and this particular one, if you're interested in a score, would be a great one to look at because you can kind of see how they start with it, and it'll give you some ideas. So have a wonderful week. Uh, your assignment uh, is to create another project and try to do something involving storytelling. We'll see you next week. Uh, you can keep your scratch cards or chuck them. Not this week, but I'm going to do it next week. Um, I'm behind Halsey. Yeah, I'm for my uh, my teacher kids want to probably after spring break. I'm sort of trying to so going back and forth. I'm doing the week five blog right now. And then the week six, I did the, the Google like putting my the Google reader putting my like subscription. So, uh, do that for the quiz. Like I'm just so on the frequently asked questions. When you go to resources, there's a frequently asked questions blog. I've got a screencast that I made that shows the steps of how to do the Google reader. Um, 
subscription. Yeah. So if you because that's what the quiz is. Mm -hmm. It asks you for the link to your uh, Google Reader subscriptions. Okay. So if you look on the, f and then if you can send me an email too, I can send you the direct link. But it's under, it's on the frequently asked questions blog, and I went ahead and recorded a screencast showing the steps of okay. how to do that and what you copy. Okay. 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 From last week, we were just supposed to like get on and um, make something cool. Make something okay. Yeah. And then, right. and then share it and write a blog post about it. Okay. Since so I was gone. And yeah, it doesn't have to be anything worth shattering. Just want you to spend some okay. time, hopefully at least an hour. And then can we build on the one that we made? You can if you want okay. to, or you can try something else. But if you want to build on what you have, that's fine too. Okay. Yes. I'm going to be on next week. I have an address appointment. That's okay. Is that okay? Do I need to make something up? Do I need to? Just uh, let me know if you have questions. I mean, we'll continue to post everything okay. and we'll do the audio, and we're going um, to have our last week with Scratch. And it'll be basically the same model as we did today, except we'll talk. Um, we'll have the rubric for evaluation. We'll talk about, okay. and it's going to be very open. I mean, main thing is spend some time in Scratch, creating and learning some stuff, okay. and then share each time. Okay, and then um, that'll be the second time I'm gone. You're going to be fine. Uh, I have to take attendance, and, and unless you know it becomes an issue where you don't turn in assignments or whatever, you know, I'm honored anytime you come to class. Uh, I hope that everyone will want to come to class to learn. We all have things that happen. Uh, you paid for it, you know. Uh, so don't don't worry. Uh, everyone is going to be fine. I just usually give everyone attendance points unless you know it becomes an issue. But that there's usually other issues too, like people don't get their assignments in. So you're fine. Okay, thank you very much. Let me know if I can answer some other questions. Okay. Oh, awesome. Cool. I really enjoyed your presentation last week. So it was good. Yeah. I'm. You know. I I love the the more sophisticated uh, in, in higher resolution images and all that. But at the same time, I also think, man, I've got this in my pocket. It's with me all the time. Yeah, you know? exactly. Um, they, well, they're actually just tutorials on how to make your iPhone like a, a better than even a point and shoot. And I've looked it up and everything, and I actually, I actually bought a little thing uh, attaches this to my tripod. Oh, really? I'd be interested in what you, you got because I was looking at Christmas. Uh, they had a few posts on some blogs about, you know, iPhone um, accessories, and I saw some of those things where you can put it in. One even let you put an external mic, you know, yeah, yeah, and you yeah, held it. Yeah, I mean, like the whole thing. Have yeah. you? Yeah, I've seen that one. I would love to that one's way check that out. Like it's like 200 yeah, 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 over 100 Yeah, and, but that, the one I got is just a little cheap. Uh, well, not cheap. It's a little itty-bitty accessory. It's called, like, a guilt, it's called. Okay. Where, it, like, it, like... It hooks into the, uh, on the iPhone like this around the corner, and then it, it has like a little stage pretty much. Yeah. And so like it sits right there, and you screw it in. And it also uses as a, like a kickstand, like because we don't have a kickstand. And it's called a GILF? Like a G-I-L-F? Yeah, I think so. Cool. I just bought it, and it's actually just... Where did you find it? It's uh, photojojo.com. Okay, you got it online. About all the bunch of photography stuff. Cool. That's awesome. Because I'm a little bit behind that or whatever, if I get like if I get five and six done, week five and six assignments and whatnot, what's week seven assignment? It's the, it's the thing one or it's the The first one? project, yeah. Just what to make, make something in scratch. Create something. Um, try to spend an hour playing with it because, yeah. I mean, it'll take some time. Uh -huh. And then just um, share a blog post about what you learned. Uh, you share your project on Scratch, and then just write a post about what you, what you learned. Scratch. In Scratch, at the top of the menu, there's a share link, and you just say share project. Okay, yeah, and I made the Scratch account. I just never mm -hmm. had to make yeah. And then you just put it in there. So and to, make, to make, so you make the pro, make, um, 
a project on it with the program, it's right. up on the computer program, right. and save that, and then from that computer, put it online. Yep, it uploads account. it, and when you, when you go to the Scratch account to your account, huh. it'll be right there as one of my projects. Okay. And so you can put that link on your post and on say, post. when I made this project, and you link it, that's what I'm on. Um, and then for this week's the same thing, basically. But I want you to do another project and try to do week, something with storytelling. Week, no? week seven was last week, and this is week eight, which we're doing uh, okay. another. So you want the same thing for seven. Basically, but try to do some story, too. some storytelling. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my goal is to have everybody create at least three different things with Scratch because you're going to learn more if you, you know, end up creating several things. So. So if I don't. You'll be okay when the deadlines. It's fine. Just, okay. You know, get it in as soon as you can. If I don't, like, Realistically, I'll do five and six and have midterms and other classes. So of course. If I get it done, like, get it done before break kind of thing? Mm, yeah, I mean, and if it needs, you need more time, it'll be okay. I mean, I'm not... I want you to try to stay up as best you can. Yeah. Things happen, so you're doing a good job trying to be conscientious and staying up with things. And, okay. You know. um, are you ever on campus other than Wednesdays? No. Not that much, yeah. Mondays, um, ever? Uh, I mean, sometimes I am, but I don't have like a, time, a yeah. class or you know something like that where, okay. where so I come next up. Next Friday, said we'll set it up. Next Friday, I will. Yeah. Next Friday, we'll set up a time. So. I didn't get my WebCT questions answered this week, so I'm going to do that uh, next week. Okay. I got I got most. Of them.